LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Group Answers Podcast Show. I'm Brian Daniel with Chris Surratt What's for up? episode number. We don't do that anymore, right? Well, we can on this one because I think it's pretty sure. 137. Oh, my goodness. It's getting to be big. I know. I think you and I have done about 100 of those together. 100, you say? Yeah. Maybe even more. I don't remember exactly the episode I started, but yeah. Only 900 and something more before we get another digit. <laughs> we just get better and better every 100. Well, today is an exciting day because we have with us... Dan Darling and Trillia Newbell, both friends of the show, both Dan and Trillia have been here before, but not for this particular subject. No, and this is a good one. But just to refresh everyone's, just to refresh everyone, just remind, just remind, just remind everybody who Dan and Trillia are. Sure. Dan Darling, or do you go by, or would you rather go by Daniel? Most people call me Dan. Okay. Daniel's fine. What I hate and detest <laughs> is Danny. Well, your official bio says <laughs> Daniel. Yeah, so Daniel's just, fine or Dan. It doesn't matter. Just one about what? I'm nope, called worse. Nobody ever calls me Christopher. I never get that, except for my that. mom when I was in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, yeah. Well, Dan Darling is the vice president for communications for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, and he's the author of many, many books and also hosts your own podcast, right? I do. Yeah. What's the name it's of that called podcast? The Way Home. The Way Home. So you can check that out. And then Trillia Newbell is the Director of Community Outreach for the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and she is also the author of many, many books. So welcome, both of you guys. Welcome back, Trillia and Dan. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks. We need to, Chris, we need an applause button that we can push right there. I'll just, <laughs> there we go. And Dan is in the studio, Trillia is on the phone, just to kind of let the listeners know the, the setup here. So now available, I mean, just recently available is a Bible study that uh, Dan and Trillia and others have, co- have collaborated on and contributed to, and the title is The Church and the Racial Divide, a very timely resource, a very relevant resource, a very important Bible study resource. So let me just, let's just start here, guys. Tell us about The Church and the Racial Divide and a little bit about how the project has come together. So I don't know if you want me to go first or Trillia, but um, I mean, we Trillia and I have been thinking about this for some time now, um, wanting to just, you, you know, there's a lot of conversations about race uh, in the culture. Uh, there's been a lot of racial tension in the last several years. There's, of course, the long, really ugly, you know, racial history in the United States that Christians in the United States are, you know, we're in this environment, you know, we're, we're here and this is, this is the world we, we inhabit. Um, but I think we wanted something that would just help average everyday Christians who are maybe not a part of some of the conversations that leaders are having, or maybe they don't go to conferences or aren't reading books to be able to, okay, what does the Bible say about race, about, um, the racial divide in the country and how, how, how should we respond to it? So that, so we, we've been kind of thinking about that and obviously uh, talking with Lifeway and Lifeway is really just a great partner on this 
stuff, particularly um, small groups of me, that, that's kind of the bread and butter of Lifeway in many ways. And, and I think nobody does it better in terms of getting into churches. And I think really the conversations on this have to happen in that small group level with ordinary people. You know, leaders are talking about it, but that's where it has to happen. So that's that. That's my perspective. Trillia uh, obviously can add uh, maybe your perspective from why, kind of what motivated this. Yeah, so there was a number of reasons. Well, first of all, Dan really spearheaded this and has been pursuing a, this topic and this, the desire for this study since I've known him at the ERLC, and which I'm, I'm just very grateful for as an African-American woman. Um, just to one of the things that you hear a lot is who are our allies? We're, we're looking for people who are um, a part of not just the mission to go and make disciples of all nations, but also eager to engage in this conversation of uh, racial harmony or unity and um, reconciliation. And, and so Dan is one of those people. And I've just been really honored to partner with him on this um, as a friend and advocate. So anyways, and one of the things that, um, which has already been mentioned, is our hope is that there are lots of people who have never really truly engaged this conversation from a biblical worldview. I think so often we will look at the society or culture, and that's where we get our information from on this topic. And so we wanted to do the very basics, start from the beginning um, and and really think through what does God's word say about this and how can we learn and grow in loving our neighbor as ourselves and understanding what it, what what this topic really is about. So taking it out of the politics and taking it out of just the culture, we need to engage in those things because of how um, our history, we, we can't um, engage this topic without also thinking about those topics in our society and culture and politics. But for the Christian, if we don't have a foundation of the Bible, what does the Bible say? We aren't going to be motivated to love and to act and to serve and to do and to engage in our neighbors. So this is just the start. It's a beginning, but one that I am praying will be motivating and encouraging to those who go through the study. And on my side of things, Dan, you and I started talking about this. I, I think it was back in 2015. Mm-hmm. And so it has taken us four to five years in Trulia. I I don't know that you were involved at the earliest conversations, but you've been a part of this conversation for much uh, for an extended period of time as well. So as a question, I would give to you guys, and if a church leader, church, a small group leader, for those listening that are wondering, so why now? Why this topic now, 2020? How would you guys answer that person? I think, first of all, if I can speak from a perspective of, you know, a, a white evangelical pastor, um, unfortunately, a lot of times in our churches, we have not really talked about race. Like we, we have not really taught our people how to think well about race. I don't think it's intentional. I just think when you're in the majority, it, you know, it doesn't hit you. 
so you're not thinking about it, right? Um, but the main reason I would tell pastors that it's important is because the Bible talks about race. I have people say, why well, are you always talking about race? Well, the Bible is always talking about it from Genesis to Revelation. It's, it's you know, um, and so I think what it's important now is like there's so many conversations in the culture. There's There's a lot of tension. There's a lot of kind of acrimony. And like just saying, what does the Bible say? How does the Bible talk about about this? Um, you know, when I think about the vision of John and Revelation, Re- Revelation five and seven, that you know, the New Jerusalem will, will will feature people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. You know, John didn't just say, or you know, the Bible doesn't just say, you know. You know, there's people are going to be united, or you know, there's going to be one people. It says it makes a point of saying, of specifying people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, that people keep their ethnic identities. So this idea that, you know, this racial unity in the kingdom of God is really a outgrowth of the gospel. It it's not just a kind of a nice. It would be nice if people got along type thing. It, it's really an imperative that flows from the gospel. And so if we are the people of God and we we live out the gospel, we should be trying to work toward racial uh, unity and racial reconciliation in a way that images what the kingdom will look like. And so I think it's just an important part of, of church life. Yes, I, I don't think it's, I, okay, I'll say it this way. I think it's important. It's always been important. So I think this is, we often quote for such a time as this. Well, I would say for this topic, Every time is this is <laughs> always important. It's since the beginning of time, since the moment sin came into the world and we became began to to hate one another based on the color of our skin and our cultures and ethnicities. We we've needed to be reminded of what God says about people made in the image of God and how we should value them and how He is a God that is not partial. And so We've needed this reminder. The first century church needed that reminder. Um, we need to be taught constantly that we fail and fall short of the glory of God in loving our neighbor. And how can we how can we repent and change and grow and come near to one another? So so it's not that 2020 is a Oh, this is a great time for it. I, I really do think that it, it. I would have loved to have seen it in 1950. <laughs> you know, when when we were divided, and there were signs that would have said you cannot engage with one another, um, black and white, and and so I, I just I I don't know that um, this is a. It, it's a particular time. I think it's an evergreen topic and a topic that we. And we're kind of actually behind on. We've needed to be engaging well beyond um, deeply into these these topics. And so I'm so glad that it's now. Um, and I think we have this is a great start and we will keep growing my prayer and hope together. But but there wasn't I don't think there was any like you said, Brian, we've been. Um, talking about this for since 2015. So it could have happened then. Um, but the Lord saw it fit that right now we would have this um, study. And I do think that um, right now is we're ripe for it where it's, it's a good time for it. But, but I, 
think we're actually behind, but I'm, I'm grateful for it. I think we've definitely established that it's important. It matters. And right now is the time to do it. So what I'd, I'd love to hear from both of you guys, but Trillia, we'll start with you is how can this idea of racial reconciliation be pursued by racially homogenous churches and groups? Um, that's a great question. So if your church is um, majority culture or homogenous and they all look the same and um then, then kind of like what Dan was saying, you may have never considered these topics before, but we are called to go and make disciples of all nations. And so if, if that's part of our calling and if, if part of the vision that God had for the body was that um, we would be worshiping together with every tribe, tongue, and nation, that's how we're going to look in eternity, then we want to know what God's word says about it. And also, when we do engage with those who are not like us, we won't have some of our our assumptions and bias, or at least we will know how to identify them quicker. And we will be I keep using, I keep talking about loving our neighbor, but that's what we're called. We're called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so if we are engaging in this conversation and not reacting, in other words, we've already been preparing our hearts. We've already gained knowledge. We've repented where we've needed to. We understand a greater the value of every human being made in the image of God. Then when we do engage with someone who's not like us, we're going to have a greater extension of love. We're going we're gonna to have a, a greater sense of grace. We're going to be able to slow down our speaking and instead ask questions. We'll be more eager to learn about the person, their culture, their differences, and not be afraid of them because we've been diving in God's word about it already. We, we will just be made aware of where, our, where we're tempted to either be partial to those who are like us, to have bias and the like. And so I think it doesn't matter. We all need to understand God's word for a, a number of different things in order for us to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel and to be faithful to what he's called us to, to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah, I would echo what Trillia said. I, I also think, you know, if, if you're, you know, the sad thing is most of our churches are are racially homogenous, uh, although there's some really good, uh, you know, exceptions of this, of, of very racially diverse churches. And I think, you know, as as America becomes more diverse, I think our, it'll for, you know, it'll force our churches to become more diverse. But, but I would say, um, you know, if you're in a church that's uh, primarily, you know, uh, homogenous, and, and we should still have the sensitivity. I think one of the things we want to do here is just, you, you know, teach people and have all of us learn what does the Bible say about uh, racial reconciliation and move people from kind of thinking it would be a nice thing to thinking, okay, this is something God desires. This is a beautiful thing. So even having the sensitivity. So, you know, overnight, you're not going to change your church from being racially homogenous to be, um, you know, multi-ethnic, multicultural, but at least having that desire and working toward it and even living uh, multicultural lives. So, 
you know, in our in our interactions, in our communities, in our workplace, and everywhere else, the what what we read, and just just kind of being that kind of person. I think our neighborhoods are becoming more more diverse, uh, which is really great, and we should welcome that. I think this will teach us to kind of welcome that and want uh, to pursue those kind of relationships. Uh, and so I, I think this is one of the really important goals goals of this. So the church and the racial divide, finding unity in the race-transcending gospel is available now. The uh, The outline begins, it's a six-week study, begins with week one, and we talk in terms of weeks or small group meetings, begins with the Imago Day, which is very important because this begins with just a very, what I like to call a very pro-life position as it relates to this matter, but it's the fact that we are all image bearers equally. And then it moves to God's heart for all people, breaking down the walls, pursuing gospel relationships, race and culture, and where do we go from here? So I would ask you guys, and Dan, we'll begin with you, uh, what tips do you have for someone who might be leading this study or maybe even considering this study? So I do think, um, you know, specifically speaking to a small group leader and um, that you know, this this study is designed to facilitate conversations, to teach the Bible, but facilitate conversations. This is a hard conversation. You know, let's just be real. The race, you know, when you start talking about uh, race and racism and, and racial reconciliation and some of the dynamics in our country, this is this is a hard conversation. Uh, it'll probably provoke some opinions in a small group. This is good. I actually think this is this is where the best kind of change can happen in these small groups where where people who love each other can work these things out, right? And can uh, I, I would encourage a small group leader small group leader to lead well and um, encourage the people in the small group to come in with an open heart and open mind that we have ears to hear. You know, when we come into church on Sunday, one of the things we should be praying is, Lord give me give me ears to hear. You know, that that sermon uh is not just for my it's not for my neighbor, it's for me. Sometimes you come in on a Sunday and you hear a sermon and you feel great because it's comforting you or you know, that's an area that you're good. <laughs> so you feel good, you walk out pretty tall. Other times you hear a sermon, you're like, it really hits you. Like a laser. The Bible says the Bible is a sword that pierces uh, the heart. That's good. And so I think we should take that approach in a small group. Like, let's all come with an open mind. Let's not come in ready to defend ourselves and have our opinions. Uh, and let's let's try to learn and grow and see what the Lord does. Trudy, what would you add? Um, I would just add, it's okay to not know, to say, you know what, I, I don't know. Why don't we research that? Why don't we read something else? Why don't we dig in further? And, and because there are going to be some things that, especially when you're talking about the application, I think from... God's word, we can read God's word and we can learn and grow. And I I don't think there's going to be a ton of confusion there. But in regards to applying God's word, we we get all sorts of confused. And there's a lot of different opinions about the application. And so, so I do think that when you are thinking through that next step and you're unsure of that best next step, you can you can be okay with kind of that tension of I'm not really sure and I'm going to step in faith, but I don't know. And so I, I do think that often people 
instead of doing anything at all, they just won't do, they won't do anything because of fear or they're afraid they're going to make a mistake or in this topic. And so I really do think just approaching it really humbly at first and understanding that it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay not to know. Um, we're, we're all trying to grow in learning how to love and serve our neighbor and, and it's really, it's just okay. And God didn't, you know, he, he says we all fall short of the glory of God. So none of us are perfect. None of us know everything. We all need to grow. We all need to gain knowledge. And I really believe in this particular topic, kind of approaching it with that kind of a humility in, um, in being eager to learn more and ask a lot of questions will go a long way. Chris, I want to get your thoughts on this as well, but I think that idea of the open heart and coming into a group meeting ready to listen and learn is so crucial to this Bible study. But I would also add that this is, and I think it's already been said, that this is a a critical moment, this Bible study. I think represents a critical moment in uh, what could be in, in any group's history or whatever life the group is the group, the life, the group is together. Just because we're dealing with, with, with real, real things, real issues, and real people. And like Dan said so well, this isn't just a nice thing to do for people on the lines of some moralism. This is an expectation. It's a, it's an expectation. Chris, yeah. what about you? No, I I agree. I was just thinking that my family has kind of walked this out uh, over the last six years. We moved from a very homogenous suburb of Nashville and moved downtown Nashville. And it's, it's racially diverse. It's also, um, uh, lifestyle diverse. And we have spent six years listening and just getting to know people. And our eyes have been opened in a way that, that we just didn't even know. And, and we, we thought of ourselves as being open to other cultures and all of that, but we didn't know until we lived it, until we're in the middle of it and immersed in it. And we've done a lot more listening than we have talking. And so I, I think that's the approach when it comes to your small group. And this is going to be, if you do this, this study in this season this year, this is a politically charged time. You know, there's a lot of these these things getting battered around in different directions. And so you're going to have to know that there's going to be some heated discussions and some people on different sides, and that's okay. Do more listening than you do talking and try to, uh, if you can't invite, uh, you know, people racially different from you, invite people that are different philosophically from you um, into your group. Um, even for just a week or two to kind of experience what it's like to think in a different way. And so just approach it with an open mind, bring some outside voices. And I think this could be a, a culture changing study for your, your group and your church. Trevor Atwood is the uh, author of record of the, of the actual Bible study, the written part. But represented here today, we have the heart behind the Church and the Racial Divide Bible Study and Dan Darling and Trillia Newbell. So just in closing, I would just ask Trillia, what do you hope this does for churches? Well, <clears throat> that's kind of, uh, <laughs> wow. I, how much time do we have? I hope that churches would maybe for the first time see what their neighbor is experiencing and be able to 
engage um, with a better knowledge and understanding and humility. And I, I think that that will, will likely happen if they go through the study. And I think also um, there's a lot of, there are a lot of churches who don't, necessarily address these topics especially or from the pulpit or in general and so for some people this is this could be the first time that they've read um a text and understood oh that's what ephesians 2 11 through the rest of the chapter means i've never even read that and so i imagine there are going to be some light bulbs and god's going to teach um people and 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 so that's I pray that that there's going to be a greater um growth in discipleship in this area um and I think probably the final hope is that people won't be afraid to confess and repent God's word says if we confess our sin he's faithful and just to forgive us and to purify us and I, I really do hope for churches that um for people members people in the churches that there will be a um, just an, an environment of grace and repentance. People will repent and confess where they've been wrong, where they've been partial, where they've struggled, struggled with pride, um, ethnic pride, where they've thought, thought of themselves as better than their neighbor just because of the their uh, color of their skin. And they will repent, confess it to God, repent, confess it to their a friend, someone, and then receive God's grace. So I, I do pray that there would be um, repentance because that's where change happens. Change happens when our hearts are revealed and we turn and God is faithful and good in that. So that's one, those are three of the hopes. There's lots more, but those, those three, I think um, are three that just come to mind immediately. Dan, you've been on this project for, for really probably prior to 2015. So you've seen this come to fruition. Uh, what about your hopes for the churches that engage uh, this content? I mean, I, th- I think my hope is that um, just people kind of, it, it's a discipleship thing, really. I think this is an area of discipleship, I think, uh, that I think has been lacking in many churches. I think people grow in their understanding of what the Bible says about r- racial, reconcil- racial reconciliation, racial unity. I also really want to give pastors a tool that they can put in the hands of small group leaders. A lot of pastors I talk to are really engaged on this issue, and they preach about it, but really the discipleship doesn't happen until it filters down to the small group level. And so that, that that's kind of a, a thing that I really care about. I think uh, the people in our churches are good people who love the Lord, and this is an opportunity, uh, opportunity and area for, for people to grow in. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Trulia. I... Uh... Just love work with you guys. Appreciate all the contributions that you have made to this study. And this is only the beginning. This is only the beginning. I mean, a lot of work has gone into this to get us to this point. And, uh, and uh, we will see how God uses it. So you guys know that we are a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. And one of the sister podcast shows is New Churches QA. Chris. Yeah, this is one of my favorite ones. They're all my favorite, but this is this is a really good one. It's hosted by Daniel M., Ed Stetzer, and Todd Atkins. 
They're a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network family, and they've recently covered topics like how to make your leadership pipeline relational, how do I attract and engage new people, and growing your congregation deeper. So just look up New Churches, two words on your favorite podcasting app, and subscribe today. And we would love it if you would subscribe to ours. If you're just checking it out today, uh, downloads help us. They help us know people are listening, and we'd love to get a rating if you would like to do that on uh, iTunes or anywhere else. Anywhere you listen to a podcast, subscribe and rate. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the show. Thank you so much for being with us. Again, the church and the racial divide, finding unity in the race transcending gospel by Trevor Atwood, general editors Dan Darling, or actually on the cover, Daniel Darling. Let's, let us not be remiss. Let's get that straight. <laughs> <laughs> and Trillia Newbell. Always a pleasure, Dan and Trillia. Thanks for making time today. This is Brian and Chris. Looking forward to seeing you again next time. <laughs>